So we're going to continue this morning in this new, uh, the series, new series, whatever we always say that, right? But pretty much all our series are new. But we're going to, as we lead into uh, Christmas, and it's called The Journey to Christmas, and what it looks like to, as we head into the season to be intentional as just people, that, that we would be intentional about what we're experiencing. And then for those of us who are Christians, that we would particularly be focused on what, what the season's about for us and how we can encourage that in others, and not in like a demanding way, but in an encouragement way, like, man, is so cool. Like, if anyone should be excited about Christmas, it should be Christians. And I, I'm one of those people that over the years, honestly, sometimes I was like, you know, bah humbug about Christmas. I got overwhelmed with the commercialization and all the, you know, shopping and all the stuff that for me isn't really a big turn on. But if you listen through it, and part of our prayer with the Christmas carols is when you're at the mall or you're at your family's house and you hear those songs, you're like, that's about Jesus. Like, that's awesome and that we can celebrate that wherever we are. So hopefully you're doing that in your life, and that's what our hope is in this series. Uh, we've talked so far about the season of hope, the journey to, to Christmas, and the journey of, of hope, and Dale talked about that this morning really well as also. And then we talked about love, and of course, you know, like, love, God is love, and that's what this whole expression's about, is love, and how we can love others well, how maybe we need to be loved well, Maybe you need to relearn how we love well. If you haven't heard that, by the way, if you want to hear those messages, they're on our website. I just mentioned that because someone asked the other day about um, our podcast. There is a podcast out there, and it has these messages. If you miss something, you can check it out. Um, we'd love for you to do that. And then today we're going to stop on this question of joy. By the way, the fourth is going to be the peace, you know, so, so that's the whole shebang. But uh, today's about joy and, and what it means to be joyful. I want to share something with you. Dale approached me last week, and he goes, are you doing joy next week? Because he already planned to do joy, and he wanted to mess me up, but it was perfect, man. Perfect, brother, because that's exactly what we're going to talk about. I love that you share that happiness is not joy, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, and then we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff about joy and why that matters in the Christmas season and all of our lives, really. But I guess the question I want to start with this morning is this, a for real question. How can we experience, you and I experience more joy this Christmas season? Like how can we experience more joy? And, of course, the follow-up then is, if we experience more joy, how can we help other people experience more joy this Christmas season? So we're going to kind of dig into Scripture this morning and find out how we might be able to do that. I've been saying through the series, we have Christmas Eve barn service invites on the back. Take some of those with you, and if you know someone, I mean, that you think might want to have a different experience on Christmas Eve, give them out and invite them. By the way, there's no... Other than just worshiping Christ on Christmas Eve, there's no other motivation for this. So just go and say, hey, you might want to come out to this barn service. Uh, it's at uh, Brink Family Barn, uh, south of Highland, and it's a unique opportunity to worship Jesus, and that's what we do. It's, it's awesome. We get together, sing songs, and then afterwards, the Brinks are so kind. They give us cookies and cocoa, and we just hang out, and we leave. 59 minutes out door to door, right? So you'll be on your way. We know you've got a lot of family stuff to do, so... That's one thing we would encourage you to do is invite someone. Maybe invite someone to come to church and say, you know, why don't you come to church? This is a season where people feel left out if someone's not asking them to, to go. So maybe you would say to a neighbor or to a friend or to a coworker, you should come to church with us um, or come out on Christmas Eve. So that's one of the challenges we've been throwing out in the series. The second is that you would pray for anyone who would, you'd invite to come or who might come. Maybe this morning you see somebody here and you're like, I've not seen that person before. You can just pray for that person. You don't know why we've come this morning and we could all use prayer. So Please do that. And then the third challenge has been to find some ways to show some love, to, to smile, to give hugs. You know, we're a hug in church. We, always, we say that. To uh, take people places instead of just showing them where to go, to walk with them as they go there. So opportunities for us to love each other well. 
I want to do what I always do. I want to pray, and we're going to get into uh, Scripture this morning, but we're going to pray because we believe that God is the only source of wisdom. Not a source of wisdom. He's the source of wisdom. And if we don't ask him, like, we are just lost. I mean, we have no hope of wisdom apart from God. That don't matter if we're Christian or not. If you aren't listening to what God is saying, you don't have any wisdom in your life. And so we're, we're going to seek him out for wisdom this morning and ask him to teach us together. So pray with me if you would. Father God, we thank you so much for the truth that you are here, that Emmanuel is uh, you with us and that that's happened and that you're with us now, that your people have never been abandoned by you and we, and we just thank you for that truth and that you continue to tell a great redemption story written in our lives. Pray, Father, this morning that wherever we're coming from, that we would come in here and just be honest with you, not a, worry about what people think around us or what whoever is judging or whatever, just that we would say, you know, God, <laughs> You're here, I'm here, let's deal with stuff. And so whatever that is this morning, would you do your work? Uh, we pray that we would be attentive to your Holy Spirit. Not that your Holy Spirit would come, we believe you're here, but that we would be attentive to your teaching. That you would uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, a heart to believe, a mind to understand, and, and a will to live it out. That we would be changed because you are God and we are not. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for the great redemption story of Christmas that you sent your son that we might be free might be saved. And we, we just glory in that. May you, God, receive all glory and praise for the work that you do. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to turn this morning. We're going to jump right in here. Uh, the journey to Christmas, joy, I kind of talked about that. And we're going to turn to Psalm uh, 47. Psalm 47. So go ahead and turn. I think in the Bibles and in the Cheros, it's page 393, it looks like. So you can turn there. And I'm going to turn there as well. And I just want you to read this. By the way, if you don't know this, the book of Psalms is a book of songs. And so it's an opportunity to just worship God. Someone said recently, I heard him say, you can find every human expression of emotion in the Psalms. Some people think, well, you know, Christianity is just all happy joy or all doom and gloom. It's like, no, there's a full gamut of expression in the Psalms. We're going to read Psalm 47 today together, starting in verse 1. Listen to the word. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. How awesome is the Lord Most High, the great King over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved, Selah. God has ascended among, amid shouts of joy. The Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. Because God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm, a song of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on the holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of God of Abraham because the kings of the earth belong to God and he is greatly exalted. I, so this is confessional time here. I was going to just read verse 1. I want to encourage you to do something, by the way. If you ever think, I heard that verse before, you know, like whatever verse it is, I'd encourage you to go read around it. I was going to just do verse 1, and I'm like, let me just see what that says. And I was like, you can't read that psalm without being, getting excited. 
Well, maybe you can, like, if you really try. <laughs> but it's kind of hard because there's so much, like, praise God, praise God, have joy for the Lord, have joy for the Lord, and be excited because the king is ruling on his throne. Opportunity the psalmist gives us to worship God with him, to praise God. Um, I remember whenever we were out running around with student ministry sometimes, there was this old school word. I say old school now because things change like every like three months. But um, it was called get hype. And you would just get excited for what God is doing in your life, you know. And I was even thinking back because we'd had a funeral yesterday. I was thinking back to some like old, old school stuff like that the kids were, were raised on um, back in the day, right? So songs like, um, uh, what is that song? Uh, I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart, down in my heart. And, and you know what I'm saying. Like, you're an adult. You're singing that song. You're like, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And you're watching the kids say, hey, stop it. Down in my heart. Kicking them. Right? When you're a kid, the way that song's supposed to be is like, I got the joy, joy. And then my, my favorite thing about youth ministry, about kids ministry, is that you can kind of tell kids they can do things that they ain't supposed to do in church. That's why I like it. Anyway, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you can get excited. You can clap your hands. You can sing. You can act a little crazy. I know when people start bleeding, then you've got to slide them down a little bit. But beyond the short of blood, it's permissible in worship. That's my, that's my theory. And, and because it's supposed to be exciting. There's a reason that the kids get excited about it. Or when we did camps, you know, we say, get hyped for Jesus, get hyped for Jesus. And people would get all excited about Jesus. And we're like, yes, that's what we're called to do as Christians. And then we would come back into the church. I'm just telling a little story here. They come back into church, and we'd be like, we're so excited for Jesus. And everybody would be like, would you just calm down? Can you calm down, please? <laughs> because they hadn't been on the journey with us, the journey to joy, which is what Christmas is about. So we want to recognizing what the psalmist is saying, that we're invited to be joyful for Jesus. It's permissible. You are allowed to have some fun. You can go to a party this Christmas season and have some fun and be like, this is because Jesus has come. This is because Jesus is here. This is a party for Jesus' birthday. How awesome the opportunity is us. Joy and rejoicing. I'm going to share with you um, from the prophet Isaiah. There's been a pattern developing, by the way, which I did not necessarily plan. But there's been this pattern developing of a, of a, a psalm, a prophet, um, a, a gospel, and uh, an epistle. That's kind of cool <laughs> if you think about it. And, and last week was Jeremiah. This week it is um, Isaiah. And so we're going to look at Isaiah uh, 9.3. I have it on the screen. So you can look it up there if you want to. Isaiah said, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Check it out. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. Dale talked about something earlier. He said, um, happiness is like, like it happens or happenstance. It's, it's almost an accident when you, oh, I'm happy. It accidentally happened, right? But if you read the intentionality of the prophet Isaiah here, you can see a difference between joy. I don't want to talk about another funny word. Rejoice. We sang a song this morning, right? Rejoice, rejoice. Like, rejoice. One of the problems that the people of God always seem to have is they forget. Remember. You know, remember that, right? Like, remember. And that idea that, that the joy of the Lord is to be remembered, to rejoice, or to joy again. Remember your joy. Um, Mike D. sets with us all the time here. He always said, don't, I'm not letting them steal my joy, man. I'm like, right on, Michael, you know? Rejoice. Remember the joy. Now, I want to talk about joy for a minute, and then I want to talk about what we see that being demonstrated here that might not be self-evident, right? 
because um, we think about joy, and it's like, oh, happy fumball stuff. It's a little different, right? So joy. We define happiness. Here's the definition of joy. An abundant, overflowing demonstration of God's grace and favor. Now, that might not sound like what you think of as joy, because you thought, well, joy is happiness, right? Everybody smile. We're being joyful, right? Joy is a responsive uh, a response to God because he has abundantly and exceedingly and overwhelmingly poured out his favor upon you. That's how you get joyful. If you don't understand that God has ridiculously and abundantly and obnoxiously poured favor on you, you will not be a joyful person. That's, that's where it comes from. Joy is an expression of the reality of what we received, right? It's, it's, it's a manifestation of God's grace to us. I love that idea of, a, of it being a poured out grace or, listen, favor. God's given favor to his people. Why is Christmas a celebration of joy? Because he's been given us favor in Jesus Christ. He has heard Israel's cries. He has brought them the Savior. But what we might not see, so that's the first thing, is that this idea of joy is the favor of God. That's where it's rooted in, you know. Um, I have enlarged the nation, increased their joy. Things are getting bigger. By the way, the reason we should be excited about sharing Jesus with people is because God is expanding his kingdom and increasing our joy. That's why we get to be part of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Not because we have to, like, oh, man, i got to tell I'm all pressure about Jesus. No, you get to say, God's kingdom is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We just heard a story from our friends who are missionaries in, uh, in Chad, uh, Africa. It's a 99.9% Muslim country, right? 99.9. And this young family, you've had them, we had them here before, the traders, went over there with their three children, I think four children now, over there to, to, to subject themselves to this very hostile environment. Um, and they were talking about they haven't seen any conversions. They've been pouring themselves in. Nothing's been happening. No, no one's believing the gospel. People think, you know, they're, they're um, infidels, that, you know. Um, but they're kind of curious. But check it out. There's a guy, I'm thinking his name's like um, Mubarak, I want to say. I'm probably getting that wrong. But he started to study the Bible. He believed Jesus was a good man. He believed, you know, he would say, peace be upon him and stuff. But he started to study the Bible, and he's like, Jesus is, is, is God. And, and, and that I can't earn my way to salvation. And G Jesus is giving me salvation. And he believed the gospel. You don't seem excited about that. That's God expanding his kingdom. I'll tell you what you can do. You want something to do practical for missions this morning? If you want to do something, if you're that minded that way, pray for Mubarak. Because what happened and what's happening right now is they told him, they said, you know, as a Muslim, it's hard to share that you become a Christian. No one's going to be excited about this news. No one's excited in our community. And so he said, go to five people and tell people. And so he went to five um, Christians. They encouraged him, because it'd be safe. Tell a Christian that you're a Christian, just to get used to telling people you're a Christian. And he, he did that. And he came back with a conviction. And he said, I'm going to do the most dangerous thing I can do. And, and he was so dangerous that he left. And he left his hometown and went far away. I don't know, like three days journey or something. And then he called his father. Because that was the most dangerous thing he could do was tell his father he believed that Jesus is the Messiah and he'd become a Christian. Why? Why should we be excited about one man, one conversion, one faith? Because his joy is being increased. Our joy is being increased. And the nations will be glad, right? Pray, because the jury's out. His dad kind of gave him a deadline. You think about it for seven days, now I'll talk. 
right now, real life. This is why we should be excited. God is enlarging the nations. He's increasing our joy as we move forward. Now check this out. This is what we might not know about joy. So there it is, joy, right? The uh, ridiculous, abundant overflow of God's favor and grace, which is why the Schraders are serving in Kenya, by the, or in um, Chad. Look at this. How do you rejoice? As a people rejoice at harvest. What? That's how you rejoice. As a people rejoice at harvest, that's how we should rejoice. Or, there's a second one. You see it right there? As warriors rejoice when dividing plunder. That's something you might miss. Talking about the journey to Christmas and the journey to joy. When do you rejoice? When does that happen? We have two expressions here. One is, as people at the harvest, those are farmers or, you know, agricultural specialists of some, they could be a harvest of animals, harvest of whatever, right? But they're, they're, they're giving provision, they're getting provision from the earth. You know what that means? This is, this is what, what's interesting to me. You rejoice after you've done a season of labor. <laughs> you rejoice after God has given favor to the fields. You rejoice after there's been rain and sun and the winds and the crops have been good. You rejoice after not, you know, we're having a good year, but you rejoice whenever you've taken the harvest out of the field and you've got it in your storehouse and you're like, wow. And guess what? You rejoice during the season of harvest. That's a little different, isn't it? Why? Because I'm not sure that you're feeling joy when you're in the field and it's 100 degrees. I'm not sure you're feeling joy when the tractor's broke or the cow's dead or, you know, the, you're losing the, bar, farm, the, the farm to the bank. I'm not sure you're feeling re- rejoicing then, but you rejoice when the harvest comes. That's when you rejoice, right? Or in the second illustration, you rejoice as warriors rejoice when dividing plunder. You know when that happens, don't you? After a nasty fight, right? Like, sometimes we read the Bible and we kind of make it like cute and story time. It's, it's brutal, Warriors have a brutal life. When do you rejoice? After the crazy fight. You think about our own people who serve in the military all over the world, and they come home and they've had these experiences that they cannot categorize. How, how, do, they, how do they ever get put back together? You learn to rejoice in that, what God has done through it. But it's not without cost, right? Here's what I'm trying to say. Joy... As I'm, old, I'm old school, I'm going to drop a little knowledge here, but joy is related to pain. That's what it is. And you might say, I'm having a hard time being joyful because I'm in a season of pain. I'm in a season of planting. I'm in a battle of my life. You know, I've got cancer, or my kids are a mess, or my marriage is a mess, or whatever it is. And you're like, how can I be joyful right now? I can't be joyful right now. Listen, joy comes at the culmination of God's purposes in those things. Just think about, I want to think about this for a minute. How joyful would you be if you were saved from nothing? How joyful could you be if life had just been one fair, one, one, you say, man, I'd be the happiest person in the world. Yeah, I may be happy, but joyful? Would you rejoice if it's been provision, 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 no hardship, you're just, life is beautiful, everything you've ever dreamed, wanted, hoped for, I always manifest before you. What an idyllic life, Right? Man, you rejoice when you've come through a hard time, right? You rejoice when you've been on the edge of that cliff and you've been hanging on by that thread and you're like, I I can't do it. There's no way forward. And then God shows you a way forward 
and you look back and you're not on the edge of the cliff anymore, you go, yeah! <laughs> you rejoice. Wait, what? You remember again God's favor. See, there's a tension here, and I just want to share that, that there's a tie between joy and rejoicing and God's provision and our experience and even our hardship, maybe especially through our hardship. So, the joy of Christmas then, right? Like, just trying to encourage you guys that joy is coming and joy is here and, and wherever you are, like, we can rejoice. We can remember the joy. Um, check this out. This is in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. You can turn there. Verses 9 and 10, page 716. If you use one of our Bibles, I'd encourage you to get your eyes on Scripture. Don't take my word for it. I could be lying to you this morning. I'm not trying to lie to you this morning, but I could be. Check it out for yourself. God has given you the capability to understand what he's saying through Scripture. 2, 9 and 10. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, or for all mankind. We've heard that. There's a whole bunch more story you can read around there if you want to. We've heard that story before, right? The angels appeared and they were afraid. My favorite is old school again was like they were sore afraid. I think that's a funny thing to say, sore afraid. They were terrified. They were not happy to have this visit, right? And we, we've heard that before. Um, something, and, and, and what were they afraid of? I want you to see in the scriptures what they were afraid of. An angel of the Lord had appeared and the glory of the Lord shined around them. <laughs> What? You would think if an angel of the Lord appeared to you and the glory of the Lord was shining around you, you would not be afraid. I would think you would not be afraid. I think you'd be like, this is awesome. Like, this is the best show ever. This is the coolest light show I've seen. This is a neatest, I can't wait to tell my friends, you know, do a selfie for whatever, Graham, you're on. Like, you would be excited. You, you would be jazzed. No, 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 you'd be terrified. Terrified. And they were. They were terrified of what was about to go down. Here they are, and uh, shepherds, and they're just doing the job, and God shows up and interrupts what's going on, interrupts their expectations, and they're afraid. And, and I want you to see in verse 10 what it says. But the angel said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I want to talk to you for a minute about Fear and joy. We talked about fear and hope, you know, that fear kills hope. And uh, the Bible actually says that there's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out all fear. There's this battle with fear. But here we have a command from the angel that says, don't be afraid about what God's doing in your life. Have you in your life ever stopped in the middle of a terrifying situation? Just stopped. And, and I know you think, well, if you're being robbed at gunpoint, how are you going to stop in the middle of that, right? But maybe not gunpoint, but maybe you, you could. How would it change if in the middle of a terrifying situation, a family situation, a work situation, a life situation, you would just stop and just look around and, and, and look for the presence of God in it, you know? Like they were overwhelmed what's happening, but God is here. And how much would that change your math if, if no matter what's going on, you would say, wait a minute though, I got cancer, but God's here. Wait a minute, though, my mom and my dad, my, my sister, my kids have died or are dying, but God's here. Like, 
I've, I've lost my job, but, but God, my marriage is messed, but God's here. Wait, everything's going great, but God's here. You know, I'm not saying bad stuff. Like, whatever it is, how much our lives change if we recognize in that moment that God is present? Like, how much would that, that change us? And, and how much would it be if we could be obedient to the command to not be afraid? Here's how your prayer life looks. But God, you don't know what a mess this is. I do. You don't know what I'm going through. I do. You know what I mean? Don't be afraid. That was the command. Don't be afraid. Let me talk to you about joy and fear. I don't know uh, if you ever did anything in your life that you were afraid to do. Anybody? Have you ever made a decision to not be afraid? Ever in your life made a decision to not be afraid? You know, fear can be paralyzing. You just don't even want to go on. You're afraid of the next step. You're afraid of what the boss is going to, you're afraid of what your parents are going to think. You're afraid, you're afraid, you're afraid, right? Have you ever decided to not be afraid? I I remember, now I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to name names uh, and not people, but places. And you might be able to look it up and make fun of me later for it. But I remember I was a little kid, um, a little bitty kid, and I used to love to go to the pool. Uh, with my friends, but we would go by car because we didn't live by a pool. There was no pools where we lived. And so we would drive for a while and go to this pool. And the pool was called Springdale Pool. I don't know where Springdale Pool is. It just came to me as I was, you know, praying and preparing this week. And Springdale Pool had a high dive. And as I remember as a little kid, I was probably 8, 9, 10. I don't know how old I was. I had swim lessons, by the way, at the YMCA, so I knew how to swim, right? But this thing had a high dive that was like a platform high dive, as I recall. It was one of those high dives you had to climb up a ladder and then get off and get on another ladder and go up a high. It's the kind of high dives that they, aren't, they don't allow anymore. They took them all down because they're illegal now. <laughs> Some of you guys know what I'm talking about, right? You can't get these kind of high dives anymore. No one, and this was the kind of place where the, the high dive was the place that the cool kids went off. The guys that were like ripped, you know, and were like, and they would like, and then right in the water, and you'd be like, wow. But, you know, being a little dorky kid, standing in that line with these big honking people, I was sore afraid. <laughs> but I had told this person I'd come with, who it might have happened to be a girl, I'm just saying, I told her I was going to go off this high dive. And so, here I am in this line, and you climb up, and now here's the thing. You get to the first dive. That's where the bang, bang board is yet. I think the top one had no board on it. It was just you jumped off, jumped off a piece of concrete, right? Like, it was stupid, stupid. And the two things I was thinking, honestly, on the way up. One was some responsible adult's going to say, young man, get off of that thing. No one was saying that, unfortunately, for me. Uh, and the second one was at, I could stop at the first platform, right? I could just eat some crow and embarrass myself. I've been off this thing. Everybody goes off this one. That's no big deal. But whenever I decide to get on that second ladder and climb up there, here I go, climbing, climbing. And I just keep going, just do one more rung, one more rung. I get up on top, and then, you know, the guy, the, 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 you can go now, you get up there, and you're up there, and the wind's blowing. You know what I'm talking about, right? Fear. You look down, and people are like ants. You know what I mean? Like craziness. And you have a couple of options there. You can climb down in front of about 30 people in line, you know, like, go home, or you can jump. What do you do? What did I do? I walked out to the edge. You got people, do it, it's fun, do it. Yeah, you're not up here, you lunatic. You didn't even, you're the one that dared me into this. You're not up here jumping off of this thing. Just jump, it's going to be fine. (laughs) Sure. No one's died yet. Okay. You know what? Three, two, one. 
You know what I'm saying, right? The handrails. Like you're going to fling yourself off. That's fear, man. Fear. What was the command? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know what the stupid kid did? I jumped. I'm sure it wasn't heroic. I'm sure it was like, <laughs> you know, I probably screamed like a girl all the way down. Praise God for screaming like girls. Woo! Whoosh! But you know what I felt when I came out of that water? You know who didn't go off the high dive? None of my friends. That's who didn't go off the high dive. But I did. See, isn't that funny? Don't be afraid. I bring good news of great joy. That's joy. That's what Christmas is about. These shepherds are overwhelmed with fear. Fear of what this means. Fear of what the implications are. It says, don't be afraid. It's good news. I'm afraid. Maybe you know people. I'm afraid if God is real, what that means for my life. I'm afraid that, you know, I'm, he's going to hate me. I'm afraid he's not going to love me. I'm, af- I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. It's good news. The word is evangelion. It's good news. That's what we bring. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is good news for the world. And then what does it say? I want you to see the particulars here. But It's good news, and the word says that brings great joy. That's the effect of good news. It brings great joy. I think, again, if we don't understand that, we're sharing the gospel with people. And I don't mean like preaching at people. I mean just saying, Jesus died to save you. God sent his son at Christmas. That's when we celebrate it. But God sent his son that we might be redeemed. That the result for the person who believes that is not terror and bad. It's good news. It's good news, and it brings with it great joy. That's what the scriptures say. An overwhelming experience of God's abundance and favor, his grace. That's the gospel. And they were afraid. Can you make a decision to not be afraid? Now listen, I'm not saying be stupid. I'm talking about looking around, seeing God here and going, God, because you're here, I'm not going to be afraid. Because you're here, I'm not going to be afraid. Right? There's a little, little different. A little different. How might life be different if we were willing to stand on the edge of that platform, take a deep breath, and say, God, I trust you, and jump? And experience joy. It's great joy. And the last thing I want to say here is this. It's great joy for all God's people. You know, Mubarak was going to call his dad and be like, his greatest hope is that dad might believe. No expectation that's going to happen that first phone call. But man, when dad believes, I'm going to be so excited. Why? Because all the striving, all the self-burden is gone because God has done a work that no person can do. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God has done something that no one can do. So, kind of wanting to put some practical legs on it then. So how can we be joyful this Christmas? Like, how can we live, experience joy differently? I want to throw out a couple of challenges, I guess, that I believe are found in scriptural, scriptural models for us that we can use in the holiday, Christmas season. Uh, the first comes from Second John. I'm just going to read it from the screen with you. Uh, Paul, or John, John writes to the churches here, and this is what he says. He says, I have much to write to you, right? Good. 
like that. Um, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Now look at what the word says. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk face to face so that our joy might be complete. What a crazy idea. He could have written all the instruction he wanted in a letter, but he says, no, you know what I'm going to do? I want to come and see you face to face because there's a purpose. Look at what the word says, that our joy together might be complete. And you go, okay, big deal. I get it. Yeah. What? No, really? This is going to be a big journey for him, right? How can we, first of all, I want to talk about how Jesus is like this. He came in the flesh. Why, why did Jesus come in the flesh? You could say, well, it's a you know, prophecy. Uh, yeah, true. Because you could see. Like Mary and Joseph could see Jesus here. God with us. Emmanuel. Like tangible, physical, real. Talk about something else. You can get hugs from Jesus. Real hugs from Jesus. The disciples could walk and talk with Jesus. They could touch him. They could smell his breath after he ate fish. They could be with them. You know, they were intimately involved in his life. Listen, after he was raised from the dead, Thomas says, I'll believe it when I can touch him. And Jesus says, here I am, touch me. And Thomas puts his hands in his fingers and he puts his, his, his fingers in his, the scars and his hands in his side where he's pierced. You're the real one. You're the real Jesus. John says, church, I'm going to come to you that we going to be face-to-face so that our joy can be complete. That's how Jesus did it. He incarnated. How do we do it? We incarnate. You know what that means? You show up. There's someone in your life you can show up for this holiday season, Christmas season. There's a relationship where you can be in the room. Now, listen, I get it. Social media, we all know everything about everyone else's life, but, but few of us are in the room together. I'm not picking on social media. I'm not mad at social media. But you know Facebook? Facebook sometimes keeps us from being in real relationship. If I can read about your vacation, I don't have to ask you about your vacation. If I can see that Christmas party, I don't have to come to that Christmas party. No, no, no. Listen to me. You want to spread some joy? Go. In the flesh. Go. Well, what can't you do? I can tell, talk to my friends. I can do all this stuff. You can't give a hug. You can't give a hug on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Yeah, I can, I can send an emoticon. I can, no, you can't. Con, like human contact. One of our greatest needs. So a way that we can be like Jesus at Christmas is show up, show up, man. And then give hugs, be weird, be awkward. If somebody's sick, give them an elbow. If you're worried, give them a sidle, you know what I mean? Get some disinfectant. I don't know, whatever you got to do. But, but touch people. Don't be afraid to touch people. Somebody, you know it's true, somebody need some contact in your life. Walk over and, and show up in person. Uh, by, by the way, um, here's the second thing. Jesus decided to do a, a hard, self-sacrificing thing for joy. So we talked all about how joy and pain are tied together, right? After the harvest, that's when joy comes. You rejoice after the battle, that's when you rejoice. Um, I want you to see that there's intentionality in Jesus himself and how he saw what he was doing. And this comes from the book of Hebrews. This is a familiar scripture, and not something you maybe would hear at Christmas, but check it out. This is Jesus' thinking, and Hebrews is unpacking for us. and says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. That's who we should be looking to. The author and perfecter of our faith. Now look at what that line says. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why did Jesus set his face on the cross? Why would he be looking as God's perfect son, as God in the flesh, looking to the cross? It wasn't for the cross. That wasn't his goal. 
watch me suffer. Look at me suffer. He said, I will suffer for the joy set before him. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. You can almost imagine that, can't you? Here's God's plan, and God's like, and here's joy, and here's this thing you have to go through to get to it. And Jesus is like, willingly, I will go through that to get to the joy. That's a reality. So what does it look like for us then? right? If Jesus modeled that for us, how can we do it in our lives? There are some hard things in your life that you need to do. Hard things. Don't be afraid. Do them, right? I think one of the, as the, the more I, you know, get old, really, <laughs> the more I realize our job is to do hard things that people don't want to do. We got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. And if God's showing you, do the hard thing. Don't be afraid. Why? Because the joy on the other side. So if there's like a relationship you need to reconcile, a conversation you need to have, a, a, a job you need to quit or start, something you need to do, don't let the fear of the immediate keep you from getting to the joy of what you're trying to do. Say, I'm going to go. I see the goal. I know what God's calling us to a better relationship. I know that God's calling me to a different path. So go through what you've got to go through. Do the hard work for the joy set before you because God is calling us into his joy as his people. This is the um, the. the manifestation, man, of God's pleasure in the incarnation of Jesus. Because see, here's the problem. If you don't get this, you won't get anything, I don't think. God was totally satisfied hanging out with himself all the time. God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, they were just like having a great time. Joy. <laughs> Woohoo! You know, the trifecta, man, in full effect. But man was broken and sinful and lost and hopeless. And God saw his creation. And God loved his creation. And therefore, God sent himself to save his creation. We talked about it before. God saved himself, saved us from himself, his own holiness. That's absolutely true. But God gave his son that we could be free and no longer under the oppression of the law and of sin and of brokenness. Do we still sin? Yes. Are we under the, 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 the judgment of the law because of that? No. Do we sin more because we're free of the law? No. Because of the joy. We don't want to sin. We want to stop sinning. God, help us to stop sinning. But he covers our sin. So no matter what happens, you're saved. You've been saved. You are saved. You will be saved. That's the truth. And that's the gospel. That's why Jesus sent. That's why God sent Jesus to live and die among us. Third thing. So the first thing is we can show up face to face. Second thing is we can do hard things to get to the joy afterwards. Do the hard things. And then here's the third thing. That we can live out an inexpressible and glorious joy that involves saving souls, right? Our own, right? And this comes from 1 Peter uh, 1, 8, 9. Uh, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you what? Believe in him, right? And check it out. And are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, the salvation of your souls. There is an ellipse there. I'm going to turn. I want to see what it says. Um, I just didn't. I don't want you to think I'm cheating here. Let's see. Okay. Eight, nine. Shalom takes me to find this verse. Here we go. Yeah, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him, right? And are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you're receiving the goal of your faith of the salvation of your souls. I don't think I live, what did I live in that? 
Well, maybe I didn't. All right. So uh, we have this opportunity to, um, to be part of that, filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Um, in Jesus' own life, we saw it because he wouldn't quit. He was like destined to save people, and he was continuing to work, to do that work, right? He didn't quit, and he had that inexpressible joy. Matter of fact, my favorite quote comes from Peter. He said, Jesus said, will you leave me too? And he said, where else will we go? You have the words of eternal life. Like, you give us life. That's why we won't leave you. Of course we won't. And here, we're reminded that we have an inexpressible and glorious joy that involves saving souls. Let me tell you about this for a sec. It's first for ourselves, first for ourselves, that we would recognize that, that we have that inexpressible and glorious joy that we're being saved. Before we try to tell anybody else anything else about Jesus, live in that, soak in the crockpot of God's glory right? And then the second thing is it overflows from that. Then people see that. And they're like, wow, that's crazy. And you go, well, yeah, this is Jesus. And you can have that too. But you can't get those out of order. Because if you don't understand the inexpressible and glorious joy that's been poured out on us because we are receiving the manifestation of our faith, which is the salvation of our souls, if you don't recognize that in your life, you will have no joy in sharing Jesus with anyone else. Why would you, right? Why would we? So, so I want to encourage you in that. So be joyful. And if you're not there, step back to season and say, God, I want to be joyful. Show me what you're doing. Show me my life, you know. I mean, give me eyes to see that. But live in that place to where the joy is full in you so that you may go and share that and make joy complete in others. All right. Here's the thing I want to pray right now then. You might go, man, what are you talking about? Listen, God loves you. And God does not want you to live a miserable, stinking life. I don't say he wants you to be happy by accident. He wants you to be joyful in your life. You know how that comes? Through relationship with Jesus Christ. Just like you relate to me or anybody else. A real, living, breathing relationship. And if you have that, you have everything. And nothing can stand in your way. So if you don't know that today, I'm going to invite, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for joy. We're going to pray for joy first for ourselves and then we could just live out of joy for others. But if you don't know that today, I want you to know that you can have joy today, like an inexpressible eternal joy in your soul. Dale shared earlier, he said, we can go to a funeral and we can worship like nobody else. Man, we had a funeral and it was awesome because it was joyful. It was joyful. And I'll be honest, Dale, you kind of mentioned, you said, you get joyful because you can see someone else that's passed before you. I think we can get joyful equally more so if we can be with God forever. I mean, I think we'll see each other. I'm not saying that, but I think we're going to be in the presence of God directly with no filter or screen, and it's going to be glorious, and we will not be afraid. We'll rejoice. Pray with me if you would. Father God, we come to you today as the source, the author, and the completer of joy that you have poured out your son for us. Um, we remember at Christmas that you brought him as a baby, but we see the cross in the distance. We see him heading for the cross for the joy set before him. And Father, I pray that if there are those here today that don't know you in that way, that you would break through in their lives. Honestly, God, I don't pray that we would talk them into faith in any way. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just rend their heart to yourself, that they would know you intimately, fully, and completely, and that once you turned on your switch, none of us could turn it off, and we don't want to. We rejoice because you're expanding your kingdom. Father, would you do that work in our lives today? If we're living in a place where we have no joy, Father, 
would you just let us see it? Let us soak it in. Let us just be like, you know, sponge and just growing and feeling your presence in our lives. Father, would you forgive us for the times that we've made you smaller than our problems? Oh, would you forgive us for the times that we've looked around and cried out in fear, ignoring the fact that you're always with us and that you promised to save us and you'll never leave us? Would you forgive us for that? And we would restore and rejoice again in the glory of who you are. And then, Father, after that, may we live in a way that the joy pours out, that we recognize we have so much it's pouring out of the edges of our cup, our bowl, our pool, and there's joy for the whole world. May you be glorified. We love you so much. We thank you for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the scriptures that records and writes it down. We thank you for your spirit that teaches. May you be glorified today, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.